everyone, and welcome to the FBC Natchez Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Martin, and we have an exciting show planned for you today. In the studio is Derek Burt. We are so excited to have Derek Burt, and I know that you, as our listeners, are excited to have Derek Burt as well. Uh, I know there's a lot of cool questions and interesting things we would like to know about Mr. Burt, and he's going to go ahead and dive right in today. And Derek, just... Tell us a little bit about yourself and about growing up and, and you just your personal testimony about how you came to know the Lord. Well, I grew up in a little small town in Michigan, uh, Muskegon, Michigan. It's on the west side of the state, uh, right? You could see Lake Michigan from my front door. So was raised by my grandparents, legally adopted by my grandparents. Was born in 1959. And um, my parents lived, my grandparents lived in Kosciuszko, Mississippi and moved to Michigan um, in the middle 40s, I believe it was. And several people uh, migrated up north and, you know, got jobs in car manufacturing plants. So I was a product of of that and grew up loving the Great Lakes and loving snow and uh, was going to a Baptist church, started off in a Baptist church, a missionary Baptist church. We lived uh, in a nice neighborhood and it was, it was pretty, you know, thinking back on it, it was, it was probably maybe a 70, 30 split percent split of blacks to whites. I went to all black church, New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in Muskegon, Michigan, was in a public school till about the third grade. I think it was. And I tested, took a test and um, was offered a chance to go to Western Michigan Christian uh, grade school, which was Probably was no, probably it was 99% um, white. It was a Dutch Christian reform school. Was excited about going because I was more challenged uh, academically. So, from actually, it was from second grade. So, from second grade through two years of college, attended Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which was what, which was Dutch Christian reform as well. Went there and someone asked me, they said, Hey, man. Let's go to Jackson State. And I said, why? I was playing, I played basketball and baseball at Calvin College. Um, they said, well, why go there? And I, they said, it's eight girls to every guy and it's all black. I said, wow, let's go. <laughs> and I really wanted to be a more profound reason that I came to Mississippi. That is exactly why school, there were 59 black people accumulatively in all of my schooling from second grade through two years of college. I just, man, I, I was excited about coming to Mississippi just to go to school with black, black folks for the first time in my life that I could remember. And um, uh, had been in church, you know, going to church and, and actually loved going to church, but I was not a Christian. I loved to go because it was, it was a good social experience for me. I, I love church music. Um, I was around really good musicians and have always had a love for music. Never thought I'd do it. As a matter of fact, I got kicked out of the choir in my school in ninth grade. Uh, yeah, got kicked out of the choir. I played trumpet through my senior year in high school, um, but loved listening to music. Now, one of the cool things, interesting things about where I grew up, we didn't have a black radio station. So I grew up listening to all kinds of music. Um, and in my school, we, ta- we were taught hymns that were um, considered what you what what you would consider now high church music. I mean, we learned, you know, um, it was the Psalter hymnal. So we learned songs out of there. So I, I got that from school. 
then, of course, going to the Black Missionary Baptist Church, learned gospel music. And then um, our radio stations, I grew up listening to Barry Manilow and to Seals and Croft and um, the Bee Gees. I mean, just just loved music, loved it all. Sure. So um, uh, got here, and because of the NCAA rules, had to sit out a year uh, to play or at least to try to play basketball at Jackson State. And after being on campus for about maybe two months, uh, I met some, had some friends that lived in the dorm and I was at their room one day and they were getting dressed to leave. And I said, where are you all going? They said, we're going to choir rehearsal. I said, what kind of choir? He said, we're in the gospel choir at Jackson State. He said, can you sing? I said, I think I can. And I went to choir practice and auditioned and got a music scholarship on the spot. Yeah. And, and was interesting. The guy who, um, who actually became my mentor and was the person who actually led me to the Lord, uh, was a, a great pianist and first tenor. And, um, we learned a style of singing called open throat singing, which is, which allows you to sing in your head, your head, uh, head tones. And I did my first opera in six months after I'd started singing for the first time. So that was, that was pretty cool. So, so um, my first solo at Jackson state was during the, the homecoming weekend. And I did a song called, isn't she lovely by Stevie wonder and got a standing ovation. And I knew my sports days were over. I was like, this is so cool. I can sing a song, not have to go to practice, not have to sweat. And 5,000 folks holler at me. That's one of the greatest immediate gratification things that can happen. So the music led to um, eventually what would become the life change. Uh, You know, I'm very, very adamant about being about full disclosure. Before I got saved, I was doing drugs and alcohol from ninth grade all the way through the day I got saved. And um, so our, our, we were actually had in the beginning of the school year, and this was actually in 1981, beginning of the school year, in the gospel choir at Jackson State, there were about, I think there were 56 members. And you know, people would, can sing anything and not really live it. Well, we had about eight kids in the choir that professed salvation. And, and you could tell they were Christian. Well, our... Uh, Choir director would read scripture every day before we start singing. And all of a sudden, we started to have a revival in our choir. So during the beginning of the school year, there were eight professed salvations. By the time the semester was over, 53 out of 56 kids were saved. And so, and as a matter, as a matter of fact, yesterday I had a conversation. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was really a strong move and and most of the people um at least 35 or 40 of them I still keep in contact with and they're all still living for the Lord. I had a conversation yesterday with the head of the um she is her name is Dr. Alexia Wilson. She's a uh pediatric uh surgeon in Detroit, Michigan. She was in our choir. Her husband well, it wasn't her husband then, but she met her husband. He was in the choir as well. And these people are still on fire for the Lord, man. So it's, it's, it's several people. And our drummer here at the church, Floyd Eichelberg, was, was part of that, that whole move. But, um, but 
the actual day that it happened, we had a concert uh, at Utica Junior College. And um, at 11 11 a.m., I had used drugs and alcohol. Well, that night we had rehearsal because we had a concert in Greenville, Mississippi that weekend. And at and besides that, on December 15th, um, I had an audition to sing R&B with um, I believe it was Warner Brother Records. It was, the audition was in Chicago. So I had a, a chance to maybe do what I really found out now I really want to do is be a singer. And um, we had choir practice started as, as it usually does. We had prayer and just started to worship the Lord. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the guys, uh, one of our, I guess it was maybe like a choir elder. He was actually an accounting teacher at Jackson State would come and would, you know, read scripture sometimes and pray for us. His name was Cecil Hill. Cecil got up and gave an altar call. And it was like the Lord just spoke to me just as clear as a bell and said, your life would, would, you know, may go okay. He said, but if you serve me and give up your life right now, it will definitely go okay. <laughs> and, and right then at 10 o'clock p.m. in the evening, uh, I gave my life to the Lord December 10th, 1981 at 10 o'clock p.m. And that's that. And the next day, the next day, I ran around campus as I had won the, as if I had won their lottery. I was telling people that I, you know, the guys that I used to get high with, Hey man, listen, Jesus can clean your life up forever. And that was a life changing, you know, and I, and I understand that, you know, every story is different when it comes to, to how people get saved. And, you know, a lot of times people get religion when they, when they're very young. Um, it was a, it was a situation where God immediately without any kind of steps or any kind of outside help delivered me from drugs and alcohol on the spot. And, um, and that's been, that was 40 years ago. Wow. What a fascinating and just a remarkable story of the power of the Lord and how he has uh, worked in your life and has radically changed you, transformed you, uh, just it made you stop using drugs and alcohol all, all at just a blink of an eye, just as soon as you said yes to his call on your life. Right. Now, and the cool part, and nothing added to it, as a matter of fact, like I said, I was talking to a young lady yesterday. We were uh, rehashing some of those some of those days. My I met my wife in October, before December, and she's from Los Angeles. She was actually in Mississippi visiting her grandmother, and I met her, and she had never been exposed to church at all. Uh, is a true nine zero two one zero girl. She went to Beverly Hills High School in California. Her father was a was a neurosurgeon. And every Sunday they go to the country club. Well, all she knew is that whoever that was yesterday, that's not the same guy that I met on December 11th. And um, she didn't really know what to do. So the, the doctor's husband, who was a great friend of mine at the time, had a conversation with my wife the next day, who was my girlfriend then. But actually, I told her, I said, listen, I can't see you anymore if that's if this, this is your lifestyle. Uh, because that was my lifestyle the day before. She didn't understand and I can understand that she couldn't understand it. So my friend wouldn't talk to her, said what has happened to him. The, the radical change is something that you can have as well. And 30 days later, she came to the Lord. So she got saved in January. 
I got saved in December. We got married in July. Been married 39 years. Oh, praise the Lord, Derek. Isn't that, that's a wonderful testimony and a wonderful uh, story to be able to share with us today. Thank, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, another question that I know a lot of people would like to know is, I mean, you've had so many opportunities to sing. Uh, can you... Can you name drop for us of some opportunities you had to have sang with in the past? And well, uh, it's it's so funny. Um, when I was in college in Grand Rapids, the first, my roommate, his name was Dr. Rory Marshall, was a preacher. Now he he pastored a church. I think he's I think Rory's first church. He was 16 years old pastoring, and he went to college. Well, he told me he said, "Listen, man, you have to go." You have to go to this church uh, called Bethel Pentecostal Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They got the greatest music you ever heard in your life. And um, so I went and behind the organ was a guy named El DeBarge. Now, El DeBarge is the leader of the group DeBarge who has the song, Feel the Beat of the Rhythm of the Night. Yeah, that song. And I was like, oh, man, that's El DeBarge. So and they, they weren't famous yet, but the guy could just play. And there was another guy in the choir named Byron Cage. Byron Cage became a, 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 a leading um, gospel artist and um, had several national hits. And then this 10-year-old kid got up and sang and just tore the church to pieces. His name was Marvin Sapp. Now, Marvin Sapp is the number one gospel artist in the world right now. And I met all these cats when they were, you know, when Marvin was 10 years old. So that was kind of it was interesting that there was so much, um, there was so much music around me, um, but I was an athlete, so I didn't really, you know, nobody correlated my name with music. So when I came to Mississippi, and you know, did some recording, got a chance to um, open for several R and B acts, but I was a gospel singer. Um, there's a group called Men Condition. They were at the Coliseum. I opened for them. Uh, I opened for a group called You've Heard. Probably people have heard of Teddy Riley, who did Michael Jackson's productions. He had a group called Guy, open for them, uh, open for After Seven, which Babyface is in After Seven. Uh, the biggest one, though, was I actually was called to go back to Michigan to do a, the Great Lakes Festival and got a chance to open for Aretha Franklin. So that was that was that was a lot of fun. So I've sung, you know, I've sung, man, all over the country. I've sung in front of six people in 60,000. And six is harder than 60,000. Oh, we've done, yeah, we've done things. Uh, I've done a couple, couple, uh, three inaugurations for our governors. Have done music for you know President George Bush. God has opened several doors. Sung at Carnegie Hall, large churches, the the Southern Baptist National Convention. As a matter of fact, that happened in two thousand and eight, and I really thought the trajectory of my life was going to be more of a solo career, and God kind of leveraged me back into the church world, and that's that's where. We've seen um, a really cool space and time in the last 13 years. God called me to the local church and being able to, you know, to perform at the same time, but also to pour into a lot of different people and um, build a couple different music ministries from scratch, really, and in a lot of ways, and um, have seen, you know, seen some successful uh, testimonies and musicians and I've always been blessed to be around great musicians. So music has been a joy. And I never thought I'd do it. What was funny, when we opened for Aretha, my sixth grade teacher came by my mother's house because he couldn't believe it. Nobody knew that I sang. 
you can't be the same Derek Burke. Yeah, it's me. And uh, Mr. Van Muir's. And, um, and uh, so, yeah, several of my classmates came to, came to the, the, the festival and saw it. And, and um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, especially when I got kicked out of the choir, not great. Well, uh, there is such a funny story that you share. You've got to share with everybody. Uh, there's, you, I think you're an incredible singer, but there's one person that you are not better Aunt than. <laughs> You've got to share really quickly that story. So my, before Google, you know, my class, uh, one of my classmates was trying to get information for our class reunion. And so he called my mother. And um, so I'm, you know, at the, at the time I was, I've been in the clothing business also for 40 years. So I was a buyer uh, at a store in, in North Park Mall in, in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'd go to New York twice a week and go to, you know, Vegas four times a year, go to Dallas to the apparel mart and buy at 63 stores that I was buying for. So this is a pretty cool job, you know, in kind of a, kind of a New York job in Mississippi, like having tons of fun. And um, so they called my mother and said, um, what is Derek doing? She said, well, he's working in the mall and he's trying to sing. <laughs> I said, I said, Ma, <laughs> I said, you sound, you make it sound like I'm sitting at the mall with a can trying to, trying to, trying to sing. Now, what was funny, she came to visit uh, and we were at First Baptist Jackson. I think the governor at the time was, oh, shucks, who was Ronnie Musgrove was the governor. The, the, the governor got up and, and thanked my mother for allowing me to come here. And it's 5,000 people in the audience. And after it was over, um, someone mentioned to her how glad they were that I was here. And her sister-in-law, uh, my, father's, my father's brother's wife, was my mother's favorite singer. She sang in two churches. Both sat about a hundred people. Her name was Virgia. It's Virgia. She's still living. Virgia Burt. And she said, yeah, he's all right, but he's not, he's not my sister-in-law, Virgia. And that's, and, th and everybody needs a Aunt Virgia moment. Oh yeah. Because, you, because however good you think you are, there is somebody better than you. Absolutely. And, and that has gone with me forever because I don't care how good you are and what kind of notes you can hit. If your heart's not right, if you think, you know, the scripture says not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. All we have and all that we're about is for the glorification of God anyway. So, you know, when you think a little bit too much of yourself, there's always and virtues to think about. <laughs> yes, sir. boss. <laughs> Well, we've just got a minute or two left. Um, these are just a couple of fun questions to ask. I mean, if you could have any superhero uh, power about you, what's, what's something that you would do or take? Probably be the, the ability to fly like Superman. Yeah. That would be fun. Then you can, uh, yeah, you can just go straight there without yep. having to go. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> just go around these roads. Just <laughs> right. go. Yep. Just go. Uh, what do you like to do on your days off? I am an avid tennis player. I played, I played college basketball and baseball. So um, six years ago, I was on the track just running, just trying to do, just do a little something to stay in shape. And uh, I saw someone hitting a tennis ball, and the other person that was supposed to be hitting with them was on the phone. So I asked, could I just hit a ball with them before, just to see if I could do it? And, man, I, it was like I was addicted. My wife thought I had a girlfriend. I was going to play so tennis so much, yeah. So I play tennis about four days a week. Um, and to 
be honest with you, I mean, I love, I'm, I'm still involved in, in the clothing business, but my life is very simple. I have, you know, two children who um, are very needy. <laughs> <laughs> they're older, they're, they're, they're grown, but they're, um, but I mean, you know, when you, my life is very simple in some ways, even though I've, I've got a chance to do some, some cool things. But to be honest with you, I, you know, I, I love playing tennis. I love going to church. I love what I do here. This is, I mean, this is, this is so much fun. It's work, but um, I'd never, you know, if you had told me 40 years ago, I'd be working in a church in Jackson, in Mississippi period. You know, we probably wouldn't have had a great day that day. Um, But because um, just never, never thought it and never thought that um, we'd be able to, you know, to make a difference in some ways and walk through some doors that are kind of new. And uh, so, yeah, but that's besides tennis and have a son um, who's in dental school. So we have to feed him. And, and that's, that's always a, a, a thing to do every day. It's always a, a, a cause he eats like a horse. Um, yeah, but just, you know, it is besides family and, you know, playing, playing some tennis, um, just music. And the Lord, yeah. Well, good. Thank you so much, Derek, for for joining us. And thank you for listening to our podcast today. Uh, We really would appreciate it if you would like, rate, and leave us a a nice review about our podcast in the comment section. Uh, I may even read those on uh, the next podcast if you leave us one of those comments. And if you have any questions, maybe about a particular topic that you would like to hear discussed on our podcast, you can email me at mmartin at fbcnatches.org. If you feel like this podcast has been helpful as well, well, send it to a friend and don't forget to tell others about our podcast. And so on behalf of the church staff here at FBC, we love you guys. We're praying for you and we will talk to you next time on the FBC Natchez podcast.